your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. Here in about the halfway point of the Big Ten football season, and uh, I don't know. Where, where, where are you at, Andrew? I am home. I don't have to pay a toll every half mile now to drive on roads just as bad as the ones right here in Michigan. Do you know what state I'm talking about? Oh, uh, you talking about Wisconsin? No. Mm-hmm. about your state? I don't know, man. I was there not too long ago, and the, the roads felt like getting a massage. You can't see how facetious he's being right now, folks. Um... Let's dive into weird blowout week, and the weirdest blowout is the five-point blowout. Yes, very much the gentleman's blowout here by Penn State. Uh, I don't know why you people keep insisting on having such weird scores in your games, 17 to 12. Um, what was it, like 13, 12, or 12, 11 a year or two ago? Oh, or man. 13, I mean, 14, something like that. I mean, I know that, that, there was a, that there was an early safety in the game last year. Yeah. Like, like like a bizarrely early safety. <laughs> uh, boy. Didn't catch any of this game because I was, as I mentioned, in Madison, so not a whole lot of Big Ten action outside of that was caught by yours truly. But looking at this game, I did watch a little bit of it on replay yesterday. Uh, the story is kind of the same here for Iowa. And you know, if, if, if we had told an Iowa fan before the beginning of the season, hey, um, your coaching staff's not going to adapt to a major weakness your team has, and it's going to cost you at least one game you probably should have won. Do you think they would have been surprised? I mean, surprise is probably about the last emotion on that list. It's weird because it felt like Penn State controlled this game, but if you look at this, if you look at everything else, um, Iowa certainly had every chance to win this game. They they turned it over twice, but they were about even with Penn State in first downs. Had more yards than Penn State. Not quite as much possession, but yet it, it it kind of felt like we were just waiting for Penn State to pull away. Yeah, and you know, to the credit of Iowa's defense, Penn State never did, but there was never any point in this game from what again, from the limited sample size I had, where it felt like the better team was winning. Is that I I don't know if that's the right way to put it, because look, I mean, we've mentioned in the past, or at least I think I have, that Usually in a game, you can kind of identify what the dominant unit is, like the group of guys that are going to make a difference. Sometimes it's a whole offense or a whole defense. In this game, it was Penn State's defensive line uh, because Iowa got very little accomplished on the ground. and 2.3 yards per carry on 30 attempts. Yeah, and that's not a small volume either. Now, they, they balanced their attack a little bit better than they did against Michigan. You know, Nate Stanley threw the ball 43 times, but if you need 43 passes to get to 286 yards, uh, his lack of progression has been somewhat surprising to me. I thought he was kind of a quiet candidate, maybe for Big Ten quarterback of the year. I mean, it was probably a foregone conclusion that Field was going to win it from the minute he was eligible, but he's a senior quarterback. Even losing Fanton Hawkinson, he's got a good group of running backs with him. I think what the problem with Iowa's offense been is the offensive line has not been nearly as good as we thought it would be, where they've got a superstar, a capable player, and then again, as we discussed after the Michigan game, a real mess in the middle of the offensive line. Apparently, Cole Van Wart tore his ACL during practice over the course of the week, so now there's one more guy down on the, on the interior offensive line. I don't know when Kyler Schott is supposed to return the guy who 
surprised and took over the starting right guard job, but he's been out for at least a few weeks. And it's weird that you say that Stanley's lack of progression is surprising because you're a Michigan State fan. Have you ever seen a quarterback just kind of fail to progress for reasons you can't understand? No, because I completely understand the reasons Brian Lewerke hasn't progressed. Let's go ahead and get into that one then. So, Wisconsin 38, Michigan State 0. We're jumping out of order a little bit here. But, look, there there was about a five-minute period of game time at the beginning of the game where I thought maybe this would be competitive. And after that, I was like, yeah, this team has no will to play, and it's showing. And in the case of the offense, it especially shows because there is so obviously a lack of belief in what they're doing. <laughs> it's just it, like, at, well, I mean, think about it. If you're Brian Lewerke or Daryl Stewart or Tyler Higbee, those are really the only seniors who play much. Uh, well, Cybert, but he's a transfer. This is You've been dealing with this shit your whole playing career now. Even when you were either a reserve or a part-time player as a freshman, it's just been bad the whole time. And look, like schematically, it's a little bit better. The play calling is a little bit better, but the players just aren't good enough to do the things the off- that the coaches want them to do. Uh, this offense still has no deep threat to it whatsoever. Its receivers aren't good enough at getting separation to make an exclusively intermediate and short route tree work. The offensive line can't do anything. So, you, I mean, you brought up, you bring up in this context the worky. I can't blame him for yesterday. I mean, or yesterday, Saturday. As bad as his stat line was, and yeah, he didn't play well, but... Other than maybe one or two throws that he could have placed a little bit better, what the hell was he supposed to do? Uh, nothing about this offense works. Nothing about it has worked for most of four years now. Basically, since the playoff game against Alabama, this offense has been broken. Not because they played Bama, but because all the guys who were in that game were gone after it, and they didn't find the next group of guys. Um, yeah, it, so big picture for Michigan State is kind of the only picture right now, because, first of all, I think there's one of two things that are likely... <laughs> Either they, if they beat Penn State, I think it'll be interesting to see how forcefully some in the fan base try to switch the narrative of, oh, actually, D'Antonio's still got it. See, this is proof of concept. Never mind the fact that he would be doing it against idiot savant James Franklin, who was a recruiter but not a coach. If they lose to Penn State, then the obvious result is Michigan State's going to win the rest of their games. They'll go to 8-4. and four, They'll get some shitty bowl game. They'll win that. And everyone... <laughs> Not everyone, but enough people will look at that as proof of concept for D'Antonio that there won't be any pressure on him to retire, perish the thought of them firing him. That's not going to happen regardless. They could lose every game the rest of the way by 30 points. The school would not fire him. At least to Illinois by 30 points, you might want to think about it. Though it will be pretty interesting to see an offense that where the players don't believe in the scheme anymore going against a defense where the players still believe in the scheme when all evidence suggests they shouldn't. <laughs> <sighs> it, Like I said, we'll determine whether we're going to that game based on the weather forecast that week. I'm not going to another bad weather game to watch this team this year because as nice as of a town as Madison is, it got cold Like as we showed up. It was colder than it was forecast to be. And it not as miserable as the Nebraska game last year, but... Yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's zoom back into the micro picture here. So Michigan State had five possessions in the first half, and they went three and out on four of them. And on the fifth possession, they managed a robust six plays for 13 yards, which means one first down in the first half. Now, Wisconsin went three and out on their first drive as well, but after that, their next three drives went as followed. 
11 plays, 75 yards, 6 minutes and 16 seconds of possession, touchdown. 8 plays, 75 yards, 4 minutes, 17 seconds, touchdown. 14 plays, 52 yards, 7 minutes and 34 seconds of time, and a field goal. Those three drives consumed the entire first half, basically, and when that field goal went through the uprights, the game was over. Um, Watching them in person, Wisconsin's kind of a weird thing to figure out, because honestly, if Michigan State's offense had done anything over the course of that game to give their defense a rest and to put a little pressure on Wisconsin, I don't think Michigan State's defense was all that far away from prevailing. I mean, at least from keeping Wisconsin maybe to two or three scores over the course of the game. One of these is a defensive score. Another, the last touchdown came after the defense had clearly quit, realizing the offense wasn't going to do anything to uphold their end of the bargain. Um, That said, Wisconsin is definitely on both sides of the ball more than the sum of its parts. Uh, defensively in particular, when you look at them up and down, like, yeah, they have a couple of linebackers who make big plays, but I don't think anybody they've got this year, for example, like on the defensive line, I don't think any of their players are as good as Stagopolu was the last couple years, but the product is every bit as good. I don't think any of their linebackers are as good as, say, Edwards or Van Ginkle, but the plays are, the big splash plays are still there. I definitely don't think anybody in their secondary is as good as Dakota Dixon, but they're still close on most of the receivers, so... What I conclude from that is that Jim Leonard is a fantastic and underrated defensive coordinator. The shine came off of him somewhat last year, maybe unfairly so, just because of the amount of injuries they had. And I think if you're a Wisconsin fan, you better hope that he really, really likes him some Spotted Cow and um, your various bars in Madison, because if he doesn't get job offers this offseason, they're definitely coming next year. And they're, he's going to be able to do the thing that the real premier coordinators do and skip the shitty Rutgers tier jobs. Yeah, um, that's that's going to be the problem because, you know, there's going to I mean, the SEC hasn't fired half of its coaches in a couple of years. And that's coming. So it's like the cicadas coming out of the ground every few years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as far as Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor was able to make some headway against the Michigan State front seven. Uh, I chose not to employ him in our fantasy uh, in our fantasy challenge here, uh, instead opting for Kylan Hill, who... Whose mishaps against Tennessee will get to? Glad you brought later. that up when I was still in Madison. By the way, I was in a great mood when you told me. <laughs> I didn't even realize that you also had him. <laughs> so yeah, well, on paper, the matchup against Tennessee is basically like the matchup against UConn last year. If you're looking for SEC players to go with, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I I'll spare any more big picture talk about MSU and especially D'Antonio's future because I am positive. We're going to have all these same conversations again after the Penn State game, which, again, I'm pretty sure is going to be a loss. But even if it's a win, I want to circle back to this because beating Penn State does not mean that what D'Antonio has allowed to happen to this team over the last four years is okay. So let's go back into the order that we were planning on going in. Well, yeah, let's let's go back to the other shutout there. Um, and Indiana 35, Butker 0. Oh, God. <laughs> So here I'm going to crack open our Win Fight Try Brewster of the Week, which is a Jersey Girl Sunkiss Citrus sent to me by our good friend Ray Ransom. Uh, cheers, cheers, Ray. Ray. Um, sorry that uh, I hope you enjoyed the short soft parade shandy because I bet it's all gone now. Yeah, man. I really never thought after last year came to a close that we would see offensive performances, in particular the stat lines that we did from the freshman Sitkowski era. I, th- I really thought that we had, we had we were living in an unusual moment then. I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, granted, 
a guy who is your third stringer at the beginning of the year at a program with the ineptitude of Rutgers, maybe you shouldn't accept, expect a whole lot from. But five completions on 13 attempts for one yard is... How is that even possible? Truly spectacular. Uh, and just think, like, what is the play? Does, and again, I, like, I, I brought this up after the Michigan game, I think. Yeah, because I watched them in that game live. And I was looking at how their offense is designed, and again, knowing really not much more than the slightly more than casual fan about football and, and scheming and game planning, I'm sort of thinking, like, how could they think this is going to work? Like, they're throwing all their passes within a couple lines of the yard. Of the, the a couple, couple yards of the yard couple, yeah, It's giving me a stroke trying to figure out how this offense is. A couple yards of the lines of scrimmage. All their passes are within a couple yards of the line of scrimmage. And it's not like they've got Alabama within a couple yards being plus or minus. By the way, yeah. Well, obvious, right? If they're losing, if they're if they're completing five passes for one yard, there's got to be some negatives in there. So yeah, they're throwing all these horizontal passes, and it's not you know it's not like this is um, like the Clemson offense where oh get them running sideline to sideline and tire them out. Like, you have to sustain drives for that to work. You have to have playmakers worth chasing for that to work. And Rutgers doesn't have those things. And it, again, at this point, this season is a wash. If you're Rutgers, you're really just perusing the head coaching, you know, <laughs> um, the head coaching search articles, seeing who the best possible candidate you can get is, dreaming about guys like Matt Campbell, looking for some way around Greg Schiano. Although apparently, it seems to me like the more stuff I see, the more the fan base is kind of lining up behind him. Maybe that's an inevitability, but if that's the case, why haven't you hired him already? It's not like he's doing anything else. Yeah, it's weird because the fan base is doing one thing, but like I feel like the longer it goes without happening, the less likely it is that it's going to happen. Because you know the theory was that they fired Ash early so that they could make sure they lock him down. Yeah, and now maybe it's just the athletic department looks at this and decides if we keep this doofus here, nobody is buying season tickets anymore. So let's give let's throw them some kind of bone. Clearly, it doesn't matter if he's on the field or not, and the results here in the last couple weeks seem to indicate, yeah, this interim's not going to be able to do much for him. Yeah, well, and I mean, and, and to, to your point about the offense, they also showed the offensive coordinator the door, but that did not appear to have the desired effect of inspiring anybody because, man, this game was nowhere near as close as the score would lead you to believe. I mean, no, thirty-five to nothing <laughs> is not a close game. Thirty-five to nothing was merciful. The yardage was. Of- 557 to 75. You were granted mercy by Indiana football. Like, what are you doing with your lives, Rutgers? Why did we let you in the conference? Well, how many times have we have I, have I made that exact ex, ex, exclamation, by the way? I mean, Indiana's, Indiana, on the other hand, is a legit team. I mean, what's the difference between them and Michigan at this point? Um... Lindiana's got an offense that looks dynamic and fluid sometimes. That's true. It's true. So, it, it certainly looks like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, no. It, look, 9 Indiana is probably still a little bit of a pipe dream because to get there, you're going to have to beat one of Penn State or Michigan. But Indiana would have won nine games with Illinois' schedule. Oh, yeah, for sure. If Indiana was in the West this year, I think they'd be... I mean, they probably wouldn't beat Wisconsin, but they'd be right there for the silver medal, at least. Only one of the worst coaches in the history of college football could possibly not win six games with Illinois' schedule in their fourth year of coaching. And uh, that's, and, uh, not what, that's not what Indiana has. But cheer up, Butker. You get Illinois in three weeks. Excited to see your offense perform at peak capacity? 
You know, this is... I'm curious uh, to see what the ceiling is for the Rutger offense. Because they will bounce off it repeatedly against us. This is an Illinois team that just scored the second highest total of the season that Michigan has given up, though. <laughs> yeah, because they played a triple option team that, that made the, uh, the game go by really quickly. And well, sure. uh, also Iowa. Well, yeah. Um, and Rutgers. And here's the thing. Michigan gained 346 yards on their first six drives. Even though one was a seven-yard drive set up by a terrible line I fumbled at their own seven. So, three, uh, so hold on. That 339 yards over five drives. Is that a lot? Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's so all right. Well, outside of Blake Hayes getting a punt blocked um, <laughs> by, by kind of lining up weird, he was phenomenal. Um, which, of course, you know Blake Hayes was phenomenal if they had to drive that length of the field because the Illini... Offense certainly didn't help them out, gaining 55 yards on their first seven drives. Yeah, so as you mentioned, one of these drives is a seven-yarder before I assume they punched it in at the end of that. It was one play. All right. (laughs) Um, To get to 339 yards on five drives outside of that, you'd have to average almost 68 yards per drive. Yep, and yeah, they, they they just bulldoze the Illini front seven repeatedly. And uh, here's the thing. And then... And then what happened? <laughs> the only way I can possibly explain the Illini rally, and, and I would love for the reason to have been that Illinois suddenly like made an adjustment, did something different, you know, and really inspired some hope. Okay, but the only explanation I can find is exactly what looked like it happened during the game. Michigan completely flipped cruise control on and just decided they were done with the game, um, which is. Such a radical departure from where Michigan was under Harbaugh when he first got here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually, it reminds me a little bit of what Pat Fitzgerald did in the Northwestern game last year where he got out to a 24, what, like a 24 nothing lead and then was like, well, we're done here. Put in his backups and treated it like a scrimmage. Except the backups never went in for Michigan. Yeah. It, like, but he still treated it like a scrimmage. By which I mean, there was literally a time when they ran a play it didn't work, so they ran that play again. And we're like, we're gonna get, we're gonna run it until we get it right. Uh, they, I'm they just. I'm surprised he didn't have the offensive line doing up downs between snaps. Yeah, they they just started running the exact same stuff every play on offense and defense. I mean, when you, when your offense is getting figured out by the Illinois linebackers, you are really screwing up. And this rally that Illinois had only involved one turnover, like by Michigan. Now, so, you have something interesting in the uh, outline here, which is you believe this is Jim Harbaugh's last year in Ann Arbor. Yeah. How? I, I don't... I mean, I don't think... Well, so if it's He's his, not going to get fired, but No, I right, don't, right, right. So if, if it's his last year in Ann Arbor, one of three things happens, okay? Either he gets fired, which you just said, and I think we agree is not going not to gonna happen, happen, barring a Paterno thing, it's not going to happen. Or he, he gets the only way he could the, have The only way he could have been fired is if... He had continued to not pay attention to the score as Illinois took the lead. You think it, losing to Illinois, that, that any result in one game is going to get him fired? Well, um, so far... Um, He's 0-4 against Ohio State. That hasn't mattered. One of the three coaches not to lose to Lovey Smith, Illinois, in a Big Ten game has already been fired. That coach is Chris Ash, but still. And who are the others? Mark D'Antonio and P.J. Fleck. 
So I, the point you're making here, because like Harbaugh's not fired, the other ways I vote a certain way. The other ways that he leaves are by retiring. It's gonna give him what he has at Michigan, where he has no institutional pressure, makes nine million dollars a year, has infinite money, takes his kids to South Africa because that's relevant to football somehow, and has the media slobber all over him like he's you know like he's giving them a harvard education at the same time as if they're not taking general studies courses where else is he going to get that nowhere in college and sure as shit not in the nfl where if he's if he if he has the record he does at michigan a third of the teams in the league probably fire him after two and a half years yeah why would he go back to the nfl why would he go anywhere else and he's like 55 years old isn't he he's not retiring he's not going anywhere this isn't his last year at michigan he can he can stum i mean look Based on the way they've played, so I mean, the other thing is we're making much ado about this when they are five and one. Now, granted, they've played the easy half of their schedule outside of Wisconsin, but I mean, I mean, how many more games do you really think they're losing? They're not going to go o for the remaining difficult games, which is, I guess, Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State. You could probably still throw Michigan State in there. Yeah, I mean, the results against Wisconsin were not that different. Yeah, um, you really think he's going o for four in those games? No. So what if he loses three more games, eight and four regular season, that gets him fired? No. Does a seven and five regular season get him fired? No. Um, there's there's nothing. There's no result here where unless he unless he decides to leave, he's not going anywhere. And why would he decide to leave? If the pilot lights flickering, who knows? I mean, I do think part of the reason that he's so mellow is because pot is now legal in Michigan, and he has started wearing those transition glasses during the game. So that nobody knows how high he is. Jim, you're super high and everybody knows. Well, the other thing is that JT Barrett getting that first down um, may have just... May have just short-circuited him, you think? Yeah, you think might have just, just, <laughs> just killed his soul. I mean, because, because again, this is the same Jim Harbaugh that against a similarly hapless Illinois team in 2016... Uh, call the timeout to berate a ref and challenge a fourth down spot with two minutes to go in a game that he was winning by 33. Yeah, that guy's that guy's not here anymore. That that guy is long gone. Jim Harbaugh today wouldn't even recognize that guy. And and, and, and yeah, to just to just sleepwalk until now you need to convert four and fourth and three to not give this Illinois team a chance to go take the lead. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is bizarre. Well, we'll find out a lot about them next week. A little hint for the preview section there. Tune in, friends. Um, Lovey Smith is still extremely done, by the way. The one thing I can give him credit for is that the players never gave up and refused to be demeaned by being treated like a practice session by Michigan. So, thanks to the players for the 25 unanswered points. No, that's uh, everybody named Coach Smith, there's the door. You get the hell out of here. Um, might be there when it happens. Who knows? So... Minnesota 34, Nebraska 7. Um, what is there to say here other than Nebraska without Adrian Martinez is a completely different animal. And as we, again, as we've said before, they're going to apparently be without Martinez pretty regularly. Yeah, he's, um, he's what you would call on TV tropes a glass cannon. Um, or no, it, that, no that, is that more of a video game term? Glass, glass cannon. cannon. Yeah. You mean glass jaw? No, 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 no. Something with very strong offensive attributes, but very little oh. durability. <laughs> um, like the opposite of a tank. Oh, no, no, like, yeah, let's, let's see, like, uh, like Alakazam in Pokemon Red and Blue. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Um, right. That is just like, yeah, it's going to dish it out, but you know, you, you don't want, you got to use the speed to, to avoid taking hit hits. First. Yeah. Because if you get, you get hit first, ooh, it could be rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, a, a serious bummer that Wandale Robinson got hurt in this game pretty early on, I believe. Um, obviously, you, look, if your best players are getting hurt, you're going to have a problem keeping up here. But the other, the flip side of it here is Nebraska's defense continues to be very unfixed. And Minnesota's got an offense that when it's when it's rolling, it rolls. But let's not mistake them for, you know, the LSU's, Alabama's, Clemson's of the world. Let's not mistake them for Wisconsin. Right. Which, again, when they play, I don't think anybody's going to. But, hey, look, if you're a Gopher fan, you enjoy this ride while it lasts. Because... Even if you don't end up prevailing in the West, even if you don't hang on to the axe, even if you don't do those things, you've still got a firm upward trajectory here. And get, like, again, look back over the wreckage of what we've covered this week. It blowout after blowout after blowout, and then there's Iowa in a five-point blowout, probably the most disappointing of all of them. Well, no. I'm not giving anybody the most disappointing performance of the week over my team. You can get fucked. Um... Uh, <laughs> I wonder what the mindset of the Nebraska fan base is because they were real quiet after this game. Um, there's a lot of talking about P.J. Fleck on their part beforehand. Not so much afterwards, which, yeah, I get after a loss, you're going to go into your hole. But I wonder if some of the faith is starting to fade a little bit here. Not that it should. It's early. What Still I wonder a recruiting is this. transformation that has to happen. But What I wonder is this. Does Adrian Martinez make enough of a difference in this game to win it? Because I kind of doubt it. If he's fully healthy, who knows? Because nothing Adrian Martinez could do could change the fact that Minnesota bulldozed the ran, Nebraska defense. Yeah, ran until they didn't feel like running well, anymore. Frankly, they put up similar numbers to what they put up against Illinois, which is if you're putting up similar defensive numbers to Illinois, something is wrong. Yeah, On the other hand, I told you Illinois would fix that running game right up for you. Illinois fighting a line, I tire and lube. Uh, God, you got like a three-game warranty on your products. Why don't you put off that game against Wisconsin? Come play Michigan State this week. Play Wisconsin later, or just don't. We'll just here. We'll we'll do this. We'll switch just for this week. Switch divisions. You can trade places with Indiana or something. Now you're in the East. Now you got to play an East Division team. Michigan State's right here. We got like a two and a half yard per carry. It's just been leaking fumbles up and down the field. Um. It's got just gotta help you, gotta have you help us get this right. Yeah, and that would probably also be preferable uh, for you because, uh, as Lovey Smith said about the rushing game, uh, it's coming. You know, yeah, it's coming. It's it's gonna get here eventually. Just uh, <laughs> well, we 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 got the tracking number for for that rushing game that we ordered, and it looks like it got held up in customs. So <laughs> well, that reminds me of when I first joined Off Tackle Empire was 2012, and. That, that year, with how inept Michigan State's offense was, the meme that was going around was the MSU quad laser. Um, do you, do you, were you a fan at all of Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Yes. That's what the... the <laughs> that I just picture Lovey Smith talking like the Moonanites. <laughs> the run game will be of extraordinary magnitude. The run game is coming. <laughs> It takes oh, a while. That, I hope that you have prepared your defensive front for our run game because it will devastate you. <laughs> Just you wait as soon as that run game hits you. Anyway, back to Minnesota. Minnesota is 6-0. Minnesota fans might remember Jerry Kill's first Big Ten win back in 2011 over an Illinois squad that had also at one point been 6-0. Hmm. 
Let's look ahead in the schedule here and see what that means you're predicting. That means you're predicting Rutgers to beat Minnesota. I'm not predicting you anything. You called it. I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying nobody would have said Illinois loses to 2011 Minnesota. Uh, except me. I actually called that, like, <laughs> in October. But, anyway. Um, yeah, Nebraska maybe, especially, um, you know, when you account for the depth and all that of the roster, which at the skill positions is is nowhere near what it would need to be to be able to absorb the kind of losses that they've had. Maybe they're a little closer to the Illinois part of the division than the Wisconsin part. Yeah. Yeah, who would ever predicted was Nebraska would win the division at the beginning of this year, man? I don't know. I mean, did 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 you see Wisconsin 38, Michigan State 0 coming? No, but <laughs> I said they would lose. Speaking of losing, um, and things we said would lose, Maryland. Yeah, they may not have another win left on the calendar. Although, again, Michigan State's offense plays like this. It will be the case that it was last year where they could lose to anybody. They tried to lose to Rutgers last year. So... You know, if you're Maryland, maybe look forward to that at the end of the season. You can Oof, wait. They have to. Michigan State has to play Rutgers after we fix up their offense. Well, you'll fix up our offense, too, though. That's gonna oh, be, that's that true. Game's gonna well, be, that game's going to be a shootout. That that's going to be a track meet. That game's going to be in the 60s. Michigan um, Stutkers. God. <sighs> um, so, for Purdue 40, Maryland 14, I guess there's just where you just say don't bet the house against Jeff Brom because he's had his ups and downs... Uh, I still again, but I still think if they had had better health this year, it would have been mostly ups. I feel that my prediction for Purdue to contend for the title is a lot more reasonable than yours for Nebraska to do the same. Just saying, but uh, there are some signs that Jake Plummer is settling in here, highly efficient. Although again, this is a Maryland team that you can be efficient against. It's weird how sometimes when you have a good head coach, your players get better. Yeah. Like, even just in the same season. Like, you don't have to wait for multiple years for them to be even just passable. Um, so, yeah, Plummer went 33 for 41 for uh, an absolutely blazing 420 and three touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I mean, th- and this was a Maryland defense that has been torn to shreds by by uh, the one elite team they faced. But, you know, this is a better showing for Purdue. And, you know, any, any faith that... I don't think anybody's faith in Jeff Brown... Has, has shaken at all, but this is yet another data point to prove that, you know, hey, this guy's a good situational coach, he prepares his team well, and... They were still without Rondale Moore in this game. Yeah, and still without all the other long-term injuries that they have. Yeah, although it sounds as though Lorenzo Neal may be closer to returning, uh, but yeah, they're still... The fact that they're commenting on Lorenzo Neal suggests that it could be, yeah. you know, that they're even updating. Um, hold on. Big Room could not do it all, um... I don't know. I mean, Josh Jackson may have made this a shootout, but uh, Pigrom led, of course, in passing and also in, in rushing, and at the end of the day, could not do it all. And yeah, Maryland's remaining schedule is bleak. Um, when we said that this was maybe a three-win team... It was because of the way the schedule ramped up over the course of the season. Um, yeah. They surprised us with Purdue. Or not Purdue, with Syracuse. yeah. And that was a big surprise. Remember when we were talking about them as like, wow, are they in the top half of the conference? Uh, probably should have pumped the brakes on that. Week two makes such fools of us all. Yeah, I wonder, man. Maybe we should go back at some point. Well, towards the end of the season, we'll do this. We'll go back and listen to like our prediction episodes from the first couple weeks 
and we'll just laugh about it. Like we don't even have to draw up a new outline. We'll just like roast ourselves from the past. What oh, dumb, man. what what dumb idiots our past selves were. Yeah, you know what was really stupid though was when I thought that uh, beating Akron mattered. <laughs> I just can't believe because Akron still hasn't won. Yeah, and it's it's hilarious that like I was well, really encouraged by that and that. Might be the worst team that Lovey Smith has played. Well, hang on, we can <laughs> we can go to the transcript, but I think you were appropriately circumspect because your your approach after that game, as I recall, was, hey, you know, it's good to see that we're capable of handling a bad opponent like we should handle a bad opponent. But then we played UConn. <laughs> well, sure, but that doesn't make that data point any less true. I mean, you did still handle a bad opponent like you should have. So non Big Ten had a pretty decent week for watching football. Yeah, um, the, about the only good thing about what I witnessed in Madison was that watching MSU's offense was, you know, what it was. And then by the time we got to a bar, um, the game that was on, because apparently Madison bars, and we didn't go downtown, so maybe this would have been different at a sports bar or something, but the east side of Madison, their folk have no interest in the other happenings in the Big Ten, so LSU Florida was on, and... Watching that game after watching Michigan State's offense flop around like a like a fish with no water on the field for the very, for the mercifully brief period of time they actually had the ball um, before Wisconsin went back to just efficiently draining the clock and ending the game as quickly as possible. That's that's another positive about the game. Very quick. Um, but going from that to watching LSU Florida, uh, oh my goodness it. You posed this as a question, how the hell did LSU and Florida get in a shootout? Well, the answer is because LSU's probably got a, I would guess their offense is probably top five by just about every metric. Joe Burrow's a Heisman candidate. They have their typical menagerie of NFL wide receivers and running backs and offensive linemen. A couple of their offense, the West Side or offensive line, I think I saw the stat that they were running for almost 10 yards a carry when they ran left. That's crazy. It is crazy. It was, I, and just, just watching the guys like Jefferson and Chase and Edwards Hilaire and the throws that Burrow makes compared to what my team does on offense. On the one for a, for like a minute it was depressing. Now it's like, wait, no. This just means that now that MSU is officially permanently definitely out of anything meaningful, I can just pay as, att- as little attention to their games as possible to maintain my fandom credentials and I can watch good shit like this instead. So you latching on to LSU? I might. You I know d- firmly I where like my the- bandwagon's hitched. I dig their color scheme. Oklahoma's fine too. Um, I'll give a horns down because that that whole saga makes me as an Oklahoma fan permanently because of the way Texas handles this whole thing and the way their conference <laughs> coddles them. The way Did Texas see- handles literally every possible thing, yeah, is the most is the most like they've pushed me repellent the camp- thing. <laughs> they have pushed me, the Switzerland of the Big Twelve, otherwise into the camp of Oklahoma by their aggressive actions. And by the way, I'm sure you caught that I didn't see what actually happened to cause this. But something before the Red River shootout began prompted the refs to give every player in the building an unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, there was a fight. Which, of course, means that if you get another one, you're out. So that means Horns Down gets you ejected. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's how great that game is. By the way, never don't watch that game, the Red River River Showdown. I caught caught just enough of it. We watched probably like the first quarter and a half and then had to leave for the stadium. As I've covered before, showdown sounds just enough like shootout that I accept it. Uh, So that game is always awesome. But man, there was a pregame fight this year. Like, like, there was a full-on brawl before the game even started. And then the correct team won, which again, like, 
Otherwise, having no rooting interest in this, other than thinking Oklahoma's offense is damn sexy and I wish my team had it, I had no dog in this fight. And then, like, they like they, I feel like half of the half of the game day content that I saw this week was just about Texas and this crusade to to prohibit us from to, to scarlet letter horns down. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, the guy who came up with it. Did you see that game day segment? No. They apparently there is a guy who is credited with coming up with the horns up thing and they made a point of mentioning why well, I showed it to the university for a dollar and that was pro- that was supposed to be a Texan accent I know it wasn't really close well I but, sold it to the university for a dollar and he had so he had like the burnt orange color like velvety kind of shirt and on the back was embroidered whatever the guy's name was inventor of horns up <laughs> <laughs> I need to get like I was just like I need oh. to get like a oh, if it, if it could be custom maybe it'd be a starter jacket starter pullover with inventor of hashtag Illinutgers embroidered <laughs> on the back of it because I'm sorry I'm taking all the credit for that one well, now I know what to get you for Christmas I was wondering but the, of course this obviously begets the question who can take credit for horns down and how long is it going to be before the rest of the schools in the Big Twelve perhaps his contribu- contributions from the rest of us get that person an embroidered track suit as well. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that the universe invented horns down about one second after that guy invented horns up. <laughs> so, likely. yeah, so I just I just hope that the playoff committee, should Oklahoma take care of business, because they seem to have a defense. Alex Grinch is on my list. Oh, um, mine too. Mine too. No, I need a head coach, damn it. So, anyway, should Oklahoma take care of business... Playoff committee, please, please don't deny us Jalen Hurts versus Alabama. I mean, that we just... Did you see Jalen Hurts avoid that sack putting the ball behind his back? Oh, that was Saban's, disgusting. Saban's head would explode. That was disgusting. Um, breaking news, Bama and Clemson, good. Yeah, you know, I Clemson has still underwhelmed a little bit relative to what they should be doing. But look, as long as you're staying... First of all... They're probably in a position now where they've got they've got their grace fuck up, right? If they do stomp their own dick and lose to somebody and win out the rest of the way, they're probably still going, wouldn't you yeah. say? Um, not because they would deserve it necessarily, uh, but just because of who they are and because they've been there before. Not that that's supposed to matter, but it does, and we know it does. Well, now what I wonder is, with LSU having so much hype, does Bama get a grace dick trip? Well, they're in the same division. How many can how many can committee give out? For Bama, they'll find one. And look, if <laughs> the loser of LSU Bama is probably going because they're probably winning the rest of their games and not playing in the SEC title game, so they'll have one loss again, and they'll have probably oh, a man. pretty damn robust schedule. They'll keep Oklahoma out to put Bama in, and <laughs> oh my god. Fucking sucks. Well, Jalen Hurts will gonna be aptly named. Somebody's gonna have to play Oklahoma in a non-playoff game when they're undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> Rip in peace to your defense. USC, you had one job. Yeah, and that was to make a bigger fit about Brian Kelly being on the field during the onside at the end of the game. Do you see that? No. He was a full five yards on the field, not in the at, not in the part of the field where, but on the same side the ball was being kicked at, like probably fifteen yards further down. On the field when the ball was kicked, Clay Houghton lost his shit pretty well. But you gotta get ejected for that. You you got you you need to be swearing up a storm. You need to grab the nearest hot mic and yell, 
Notre Dame fixes in. This is some bullshit and get kicked out like a Will Ferrell character in a movie. I would want to see you know. some Earl Weaver shit for that yeah. one. Um, so, yeah, Notre Dame cannot remove that golden horseshoe no, and the, from and, rear end. And, and just kind of the last thing I have to say about the Helton thing is if you do that, by the way, if you go Lou Pinella and get tossed... Um, you've just guaranteed you've got the job for at least another year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because if you, oh, yeah. you especially you'd be against a damn, Notre Dame. Yeah, especially against Notre Dame, the way this game went, you'd be a damn hero because then you can get your fan base behind you like, they got it in for us, right? Us. I'm here in charge of you. We're all us, and I'm still here. I still have a job, right? Yeah, us. And, like That could have worked. He missed his opportunity to, to lock up his job security. Well, I mean, you can see how that dynamic works if you follow American politics and... <laughs> Politics of division works every time. <laughs> the difference is uh, Clay Helton has actually won something that uh, he didn't inherit. Anyway, uh, Louisville Wake Forest was crazy. Apparently, I saw the score at the end. So Louisville kind of got up, but Wake, as you know, Wake throws. <laughs> so yeah. Wake kept throwing. Yeah. And I really thought they recovered the onside kick at the end there. But anyway, it's interesting that Scott Satterfield has turned Louisville around in such a short amount of time. Um, Speaking of turnarounds, Matt Rule escaped an upset at the hands of Texas Tech. But he's still got Baylor ranked. Still got them rebuilt from the smoldering crater they were when he got there. He's probably going to be a candidate. I mean, honestly, if you're Rutgers and you don't at least make a moonshot offer to Matt Rule, he's from, he's like a Jersey, Pennsylvania guy. Yeah, I I in fact that doesn't talked about a few years ago when they hired Chris Ash. Matt Rule was a guy I talked up for Rutgers. Maybe he doesn't even pick up the phone for you, but but he certainly doesn't if you don't call. Yeah, shoot your shot, man. That's all we're saying. That's that's the kind of issue that we would have with if it transpires that Shiano actually was the guy for the job the whole time. It's just it, there's such a lack of creativity because Rule has proven. I mean, was Baylor football three, four years ago really in that different a position from where Rutgers is now? Relative, you know, Baylor relative to the Big Twelve, Rutgers relative to the Big Ten. They were in an awful spot, and they had this terrible institutional stain on them. Yeah. So Matt Rule would seem to be the obvious because dream Rutgers. Candidate. Remember, prior to bombing out, as soon as they entered the Big Ten, they were fine. They were fine. They, they had fine. a reasonable amount of talent on the team. This wasn't an Illinois thing. Um, okay, so then Herm Edwards is still a thing, but is Leach in a tailspin? Mike Leach in a tailspin? Um, I think he's maybe regressing a little bit to average. And, you know, part of the reason that Washington State turned it around, elevated their play the last few years, was that their defense was no longer atrocious. Part of that was because they had Alex, Alex Grinch for a couple years. Now that he's gone and the players he coached are mostly gone... They seem to be reverting to normal. And this is kind of what you get when you go from Alex Grinch to Tracy Clays. Not that the defense has been the whole problem. I mean, their offense isn't exactly its usual self. Although, but also, score, if you score 34 points on the road against a defense as good as Arizona State, you ought to win that game. But also, man, Gardner Minshew really was kind of like watching an early 90s Brett Favre run the air raid. Right down to the mustache, I assume. I don't know if Brett Favre <laughs> had a mustache. but um, Okay, so let's see. Dick Trip of the Week has so many... Possibilities, though. Does it, though? You Let's go Does through all of them first. Let's go through them sequentially here. Of course, right. Wake Forest lost to Louisville. Not a huge one. Army uh, lost to Western Kentucky. What the hell? Yeah, who could say? Uh, Virginia lost a really stupid game at Miami <laughs> where they kept moving the ball between the 20s and couldn't punch it in. Yeah, I would say this about Miami, though, which is in spite of 
in spite of their actual on-field results, especially in the win-loss column, I do think there's more there than their record indicates talent-wise. That was a cool game because it had it pitted uh, starting receivers on both sides of the ball who at one point officially announced that they were transferring to Illinois for the upcoming season, and then they were like, nah. Virginia's Dijon Brissett and okay. Miami's Jeff Thomas. I remember Jeff Thomas, but I don't remember Brissett. Where um, was he before? Did he go? He went from somewhere. And else he was at Richmond. Oh. All right. Um, let's see. Of course, Memphis lost to Temple, so now the American is going to come falling out of the rankings again. Uh, Mississippi State lost to Tennessee because Kylan Hill had 13 yards on 11 carries he and ruined our lives. Apparently, so. Tommy Stevens is over. Yeah. Was he ever really here? Was he ever actually a thing? That was seen as kind of a thing. Yeah, well, everyone assumed it would be a thing because he's reunited with his old offensive coordinator like a Megazord. Um, and then it turned into, like, anything after the first couple seasons. Reunited and it feels so bad. So loud. And it's loud. Like, it's, you know, you gotta listen to the cowbells, too, so. Toledo lost to Bowling Green 20-7, to a strangely low score for that game. Um, yeah. Probably- Scott Loeffler is on the way up. Jason Candle is on the way down. We live in strange times. Yeah, and Eastern Michigan has been very bad since beating Illinois, leading the Ball State. Indoor Vanderbilt f- got annihilated at home by UNLV. Which I guess is technically a they supposed to be SEC moment, but does Vanderbilt really count? And Dude, Northwestern beat UNLV convincingly. Yeah, yeah. This was bad. Yeah, Trans have lost <laughs> to Northwestern, man. That's bad. Oh, man. They got transitive loss to another nerd school. That's like some geometry shit. But anyway, let's stop beating around the bush. By far the biggest dick trip of the year. The hedges. Yes, let's stop beating around the hedges. Number three, Georgia loses at home to Will Muschamp, South Carolina, despite running 95 plays on (laughs) offense and outgaining them 468 to 297. How can you 95 snaps on offense and you still put up 17 points? Well, yeah, again, you mentioned it. The turnovers is how you do it. And the way that you turn the ball over like that is Jake Frum going to be playing for State Farm in the future. Yikes. I mean, and then what? Uh, Georgia attempted... Was it Georgia that attempted the 57-yard field goal? No, I think South Carolina Carolina attempted a long one to win it, and he missed. And then he made another one later to take the lead, and then Blankenship missed a much more makeable one. Rodrigo Blankenship, who has been an absolute mainstay. Yeah. Isn't he the glasses kicker? Yeah, too? he's the yeah. spexy kicker. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That That's by far our big... I don't know. Do, do you think we'll see a bigger one this year? From the way that we measure dick trips? Because remember, this is not just losing to an unranked team. It is a conference team, but it's also a dude that we put squarely on the hot seat. Yeah. The only thing that would be that seems possible to me is Clemson has played with fire a couple times this year. Uh... I don't know what the rest of their schedule looks like, but losing to pretty much any other ACC team if you're Clemson this year, I think would at least be comparable to this. We'd have, we'd have to see what the game looks like. I mean, if it's, you know, if Lawrence gets concussed or something, so you've got a backup quarterback and maybe the weather's really shitty and it's like at Boston College and there's a foot of snow on the ground. I was about like, to say Boston College. For that some reason, yeah. that seems like the funniest way for that to it, go down. It, well, especially because... Boston College ain't exactly their usual selves this year. Oh, yeah, they lost. Wouldn't it be great to see Clemson pick up a transitive loss to Kansas? Especially given, I have to imagine Kansas opens vast territories on the wheel of trash. So, again, we're we're speculating here. That That's the only thing I can think of that would be a more 
That would be a, a, a more respectably hung dick trip. Of but a that's week. what a huge dick trip this was. Such that we're now speculating on whether or not it can even be topped this year. Yeah, and it, you know, we'll see. It doesn't seem likely, but, you know, through, through Dabble, all things are possible. Your source for Big Ken Kong, it's off tackle, Empire!